Welcome to Women in Faith. My name is Stephanie Schwartz, and I'm the host of Women in Faith, a podcast to help women trust and obey God by knowing and applying His Word. I'm guessing that you haven't thought about quantum entanglement this week. I know I certainly didn't until today. Quantum entanglement is a fascinating concept in the world of quantum physics. Now, at the heart of it lies the behavior of tiny particles, like electrons or photons. Imagine that you had two tiny electrons. They're somehow connected, and when these electrons become entangled, their properties become linked. No matter how far apart they are from each other, they're going to remain linked. When the spin of one electron is measured, the other electron spin will instantly become the opposite direction. It's like they're communicating with each other instantly, even if they're light years apart. Thinking about it in a bigger way, it's like if you had two coins that were connected in a mysterious way. When you flip the first coin, the second coin automatically flips to the opposite side no matter how far apart they are. Albert Einstein called this phenomenon spooky action at a distance because it seems so mysterious and hard to explain. Now, scientists have confirmed that quantum entanglement is real, but no one knows how it works. I think at this point, any honest heart would say, if I can't understand how some mystery connection between two entangled electrons work, then why do I think I can understand everything about the creator of every electron? In A.W. Tozer's classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy, the fourth chapter, we look at the Holy Trinity. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that there is one God. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Old Testament says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is God. One. First Corinthians 8 4 repeats the same thing. There is no God but one. Old Testament, New Testament, there is one God. Christians are not polytheists. We don't believe in many gods. We are monotheists. We believe in one God. But the scripture does teach that this one God, this one being, exists in three distinct persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You might think, wait, isn't that a contradiction? One God and three persons? Nope, it's not a contradiction. It's not saying one God in three gods or one person in three persons. We're saying that the Bible teaches there is one God and he exists in three persons. This is the triunity of God or the Trinity. You might think, I don't understand. Well, let me remind you that just because you don't understand, it doesn't mean that it's not true. Remember quantum entanglement? There's nothing like the Trinity on this earth. We can only know these truths about God because of his revelation to us. The Bible clearly teaches that the Father is God, that Jesus is God, and that the Spirit is God. The Bible also teaches that there is only one God. So A.W. Tozer writes, 
our sincerest effort to grasp the incomprehensible mystery of the Trinity must remain forever futile, and only by deepest reverence can it be saved from actual presumption. He goes on to add, some persons who reject all they cannot explain have denied that God is a trinity. Subjecting the Most High to their cold, level-eyed scrutiny, they conclude that it is impossible that he could be both one and three. Tozer adds, some persons who reject all they cannot explain have denied that God is a trinity. He says, subjecting the Most High to their cold, level-eyed scrutiny, they conclude that it is impossible that he could be both one and three. Tozer writes, these forget that their whole life is enshrouded in mystery. They fail to consider that any real explanation of even the simplest phenomenon in nature lies hidden in obscurity and can no more be explained than can the mystery of the Godhead. He writes, every man lives by faith. Every man throughout his entire life constantly accepts without understanding. And then Tozer goes on. It is a most important thing that we think of God as Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. Now, it's interesting because Tozer goes on to explain that Christians, in their attempt to explain the Trinity, will often divide the work of God, giving the Father a specific part, the Son a specific part, and the Spirit a specific part. And Tozer writes, this is partly true, but not wholly so, for God cannot so divide himself that one person works while another is inactive. He challenges us to consider, for example, the creation. The Bible testifies that the Father was involved in creation, the Son was involved in creation, and the Spirit was involved in creation. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit involved in the baptism of Jesus. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit involved in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit involved in the salvation of humans. Tozer cites Hebrews 9.14, which says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God, showing that all three work together? He adds, the persons of the Godhead being one have one will. They work always together and never one smallest act is done by one without the instant acquiescence of the other two. Every act of God is accomplished by the Trinity in unity. Now Tozer concludes, the doctrine of the Trinity, as I have said before, is truth for the heart. The fact that it cannot be satisfactorily explained instead of being against it is in its favor. He writes, such a truth had to be revealed. No one could have imagined it. What a great way to remember that some things about God are impossible for us to fully understand. But should we be surprised? 
we're talking about God. So how does this help when we battle fear and worry and anxiety? Maybe pondering the Trinity will help us to remember that we can't and we aren't called to know or understand everything. Theologian and author J.I. Packer wrote, If you ask why is this happening, no light may come. But if you ask how am I to glorify God now, there will always be an answer. Packer was explaining there are things that we just will not understand or know, even concerning our own lives. But if we study the scripture, we will know how we can glorify God in the unique circumstances that he's called us to. Next time, we'll work through chapter five, the self-existence of God. But until then, let's continue to meditate on who God is. Let's release ourselves or even give ourselves freedom from trying to understand everything about who he is and what he does. And instead, let's take him at his word. Let's trust him. Let's know that he has revealed through the pages of scripture exactly what we need to live our lives as Christians in a way that honors him. And let's agree that that is enough. Well, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. If you would like to contact me, feel free to email WF for Women and Faith at compasschurch.org with any questions or comments that you might have. And I can't wait to meet with you again next time. 